0: Welcome to the snooze button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kids sleeping isn't one. Hi guys, um, here we are. A day late, a dollar short. I'm, I'm short a lot of things actually, not just a dollar. I'm short a lot of dollars. Um, I'm short a lot of serotonin, I think. I was away from Wednesday to Sunday fully, like 5 a.m. Wednesday to 6 p.m. Sunday on a trip. With my best friends from college, there were eleven of us. We went to Sea Island, Georgia. Had never been. It's magical. Ten out of ten recommend. Um, And it's been uh, it's been a ride coming back. I don't know if it was the amount of alcohol I consumed. I don't know if it was the change in the climate uh, going from a dry Los Angeles. Well, dry is not the right word because it's been raining for like five months. But a dry climate to a more humid one. I don't know if it was just. The excitement of seeing all my friends—I don't know—but I, I've been like shaky. I feel like my skin's all messed up. This is an unnecessary tangent, but that is part of the reason why this this podcast is coming out a day late. Um, I also think it's ironic that I I launched this news button a year ago, and I have diligently been able to pump out a new awesome episode every single freaking week for a whole year, and last week was my kind of like thank you to you guys for like sticking around for a year, for coming on this journey with me. Um, And of course, it's the next week that I'm like, eh, I can't get it done today. I had a a big sip and sleep yesterday. We did the potty training sip and sleep, um, the most popular one I've done thus far. It was great. It was so much fun chatting with everybody. Um, But you know what? This news button will keep coming. It's, It's keep chugging along. So, okay, today I wanted to talk... About a topic that I have, has been brought to my attention many times by clients. It's something that's talked about in my industry. Um, and if you haven't heard of this cortisol study, I'm going to tell you about it. Um, get ready to be triggered. I'm kidding. I'm not going to trigger you. Um, I'm actually making an effort, and this is now turning into a really long tangent. I was listening this morning on my drive to work um, and my preschool drop-off, too. Um, I love the Foster Sisters podcast. It's called The World's First Podcast. They had Tinks on. I love Tinks. um, So I was very excited. It's like my, I don't, I'm not really into like the whole influencer thing. They're like the only influencers I love and adore and like listen to everything they put out and really appreciate their their content and the, the way they speak about things and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, Tinks w- is on their podcast this week. And she was saying, and she's, you know, a very famous influencer. She was saying how she's noticed how much she has to qualify everything that she says. Um, because so many people are, like, very easily offended, easily triggered. And she can't, like, say something without being like, but also if you want to do that. And, like, that's also great. Um, and I realized I do that so much, too. So I'm actually going to make an effort to really only qualify things that need to be qualified and not say things. It, to everything I tell you guys I feel like I'm constantly like If it works for you But like if it doesn't You don't have to um, So I'm going to try to be better about that Because it's probably kind of annoying um, And I hope you guys know at this point If you've been listening to the podcast for a while That I come from a place of kindness Love Data um, Honesty Authenticity All of those things um, I'm not here to shame or judge anyone And I hope Hopefully I don't have to just keep saying that And you just know it So okay With that being said this cortisol study that I'm going to talk to you guys about. So the reason I think it's important to just put the information out there, I'm not telling you what to do. See, look, I literally can't, I can't not qualify. This is insane. I know what she's talking about. It's like literally impossible if you have a business not to be like, please don't get mad at me. I'm just saying what I think. But like, it's also like, you don't have to believe me and like do whatever you want. Ay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, but this topic of this cortisol study does get brought up to me a lot by clients. And like I said, in my industry, it's talked about, um, And I want more than anything else with everything in my business, I just want people to have all of the information and I want them to have accurate information. And then you can run and make your own decision. Right. Like we can all be presented with the exact same correct data and still have different interpretations of it. Right. It's part of the reason you can go to one pediatrician versus another. and They tell you two different things. Um, They both went to medical school, but we all are human and. Our decisions and our beliefs and our biases are based on our own personal experience and our own personal beliefs and the way we've grown up and the people we associate with and the places we live. So I'm not telling you what to do here based on this information with this cortisol study I'm going to talk about, but I want you to have the accurate information. And the reason I think this is so important is because this study is basically what people who believe sleep training is wrong and is going to harm children this is what they fall back on most often right when I have a family come to me and we're working together and they're like I trust you I'm going to do this I just I have this in the back of my head because I saw this like real or I heard this person talking about it in their blog um, and it freaked me out and like can you just talk me off a ledge right so I'm I'm sharing this information all the time with families um, because obviously it frustrates me that people are innocent <laughs> innocent is a dramatic word but just like your average mom right is like she has no opinion on sleep training she's just like has a baby and is like i just want to do what's best for my baby and she's getting this very incorrect taken out of context information and kind of beaten over the head with it. Like if you do this to your baby, you're the meanest mom ever. They're gonna, You're going to ruin their attachment. All this bad stuff is going to happen. Um, and listen, you, I can tell you this quarterly study information, and your takeaway could be I would never sleep train. I call it sleep guidance, but I would never go through it. You know, I'm, I'm going to co-sleep for five years. Great, go do it. But I at least want you to have the right information. That's all I'm saying. So here we go. Okay, before I ramble for too much. So this cortisol study. When you hear people say like something along the lines of, you know, babies who are sleep trained and don't cry, they're still really sad. It's just that the they've learned that no one's going to come to their rescue. Like that's kind of the like the thought behind this whole like anti sleep training thing. They're, your child is still in extreme distress. They miss you. They're sad, um, but you've just trained them not to cry out for help. So they're just helpless, like in their crib alone. You know, wishing you would come, but knowing that you will not help them obviously that sounds horrible right like what parent wouldn't hear that and be like oh my god this is horrific well i'm going to tell you exactly where that thought process came from and you make your decision from there so the name of the uh, the researcher who conducted this study her name was middlemess i believe it was middlemess so here's the, here's what the cortisol study was she was her goal was to test basically the theory that like if a child is sleep trained um, how does this impact their cortisol levels and basically what is the outcome of that afterwards. So here's what she did. She had, I believe initially they had like 25 babies in the study. I think there were actually less than that who went through it, but let's say at a maximum there were 25 babies in the study. They were between four and 10 months old. They were not all the same age. That's a huge, if you have a baby who's four months or, and you have a baby who's, who's 10 months, you know how dramatic of a difference that is. It's very different ages. And the study was conducted in a hospital. So what happened was, they had these 20-ish moms bring babies between 4 and 10 months old to a hospital around bedtime. So they did whatever their bedtime routine was at home. Like, they changed their diaper. They put them in jammies, that kind of thing. They bring them to the hospital. And, in, and then they handed them to a nurse, like, in a hallway, OK? The baby who they'd never met this nurse before. The, the mom takes them to the hospital, hands them to a nurse. And then the mom watches behind, like, a glass window or something, you know, like almost like an interrogation room or something. Um, and the nurse puts them, the baby, to sleep. And the mother is listening from the hallway. So for all of the babies, regardless of their age, whatever, they were put down by a nurse and they used the extinction method. That is what most of you might consider cry it out. So with extinction, there is no intervention at all. So it's just, I think the name, so I call it a kiss goodnight, if you're curious. When I have clients who request extinction method, I call it a kiss goodnight. Meaning you give them a kiss goodnight and we're not going back at all until the morning. Um, And that is what they did for all the babies. There was no like, some of them are doing pick up, put down. Some of them are doing like a fade out of the room. Some of them are doing something where they check in on them and say a phrase or they shush pat or they, they get nothing. It was just extinction. And what they did was before the baby fell asleep and after the baby fell asleep on the first night, as well as on the third night, they measured the cortisol levels of both the mom and the baby and they I believe the study was it six nights or something for whatever reason the only times the cortisol was measured was the beginning of night one the beginning of night three and then after the baby fell asleep on night one and after the baby fell asleep on night three okay the results they had from this were the mom and the baby's cortisol levels were correlated on the first day before and after they fell asleep meaning like if one was high the other was high if one was low the other was low and on the third day the mom's cortisol levels remained high but the babies had gone i'm sorry the mom's had lowered but the babies was still high so theoretically a higher cortisol level would indicate some form of like distress right like a, you're in a fight or flight mode it's right so there's nuance to it right but it's sort of like it's elevated like maybe you're like running or you like got jumped and you're nervous that type of thing okay So her middle takeaway from this was, okay, mom and baby's cortisol levels were both low before they went into the the bedtime and they were both high, you know, after the baby fell asleep. But on the third day, because moms had kind of gone back to baseline and the babies were still high, the babies are just as distressed as they were on the first night, but they felt that their needs were not being met. Mom is not going to come help me. And the mom just didn't know. So her cortisol levels had gone down. And she perceived her baby not to be in distress, but the baby actually was. So our takeaway here is sleep training is a terrible idea. Your baby's in distress. They're just not telling you anymore. They don't communicate with you because you have told them you like aren't going to help them. OK, so that's that was kind of what she put together. Yeah, clearly, if you hear that, you'd be concerned too, right? So let's dig into what actually happened here. So there are a couple of what I would consider like very big ethical red flags with this. So. If you are, and I mean, we're not all research scientists, but through my job, I've learned a lot more about this. And, you know, I'm going to give you kind of like from a research perspective what what the problem is with this. So the sample size being somewhere between 20 to 25 children is way too small, right? If you're going to do a study and say this, we have measured what we believe to be the case for all babies everywhere, you would have to do significantly more studying, significantly more babies, right? You'd have to do it in different regions at different times of day, um, in different places with different people, you know, thousands of babies, right? twenty. What happens with 20 babies is not indicative of all babies. That's the first problem. The other problem is there was no control group. So they didn't say, We're going to bring, let's say say it even continued to be a really small sample size. We're going to do 20 babies with extinction with the nurse, and we're going to have 20 babies where the nurse is going to pick them up every time they cry, or the nurse is going to give them a pacifier, or she's going to do a a verbal check, right? There There was nothing to compare it to. So we have no way of knowing what the cortisol levels would have looked like if the babies had been given some other form of being put to sleep. All we have is the babies who they did extinction with. Another huge red flag is an unfamiliar environment and they were being put down by a stranger. That's that's a huge. And listen, I understand that it would be really hard and it would be cumbersome and time consuming. Like I'm not saying I have a a great answer for how you would have it all be the moms putting their babies down in their own beds. But we have to be honest here. There is a really big difference from the experience, especially for a little baby. To be put down doing their normal bedtime routine by their mom or their dad or whoever their primary caregiver in their own home, versus being driven at bedtime to a hospital and then handed to a stranger, and then sleep trained and like presumably this is another another factor we don't know what the sleep conditions had been for these babies before. So had they like been sleep trained before? Had none of them been sleep trained? Like, what what were the moms doing? differently from what the nurses were doing. We don't even have that information. But let's just assume that these babies had previously been you know, fed to sleep, rocked to sleep. Um, you know, they were given a pacifier every time they woke up, like maximum intervention, whatever. Um, and now they're being handed to a stranger at bedtime when they're already tired and like dropped in a crib in a place they've never been by the stranger. Okay. We also do not have any data on the cortisol levels of the babies or the moms before they did the study. So, it's kind of like saying when I weighed you on this day you weighed this and 3 days later you weighed this and therefore I've decided this, but we don't know what you used to weigh. What have you been weighing on a weekly basis for the last 6 months? What have you been doing for the last 6 months, right? Like we're there's no comparison point to where these people were before. The other very strange piece of this is that there's only these two data points. So they didn't they didn't test the cortisol levels throughout the night in the morning. They also, for some reason, didn't test it on day two, day four, day five, day—I I can't remember how many days it was—but it was more than three days. Like it was a longer project. They only tested it before and after falling asleep on two specific days. So that also is telling us what? What does that mean? Is there something that happens on day three? Like there's all these other like factors and like questions you would have. The other red flag: there was no baseline established. They didn't say. This is where we would expect a sleeping baby's cortisol levels to be, and instead it was this. This is where we would expect a, an awake mother in the evening, her cortisol levels to be, and here is where it was instead. So that was, I think, one of the first, from my memory of, of learning about this, that was one of the first red flags that was called out. as other, other researchers and scientists said well, what what, are, what baseline medically have we established? And is it different for a four-month-old versus a six-month-old versus a 10-month-old, right? Like there's all these questions. It's like, where where's our jumping off point? Because we don't really have one. The next thing that was called out by other researchers was the differences in the cortisol levels were not statistically significant. So I think a good, I love always using an analogy to just like put this in perspective. It's again, it's kind of like if I was trying to prove through a study that if you um, you know if you drank orange juice in the morning it was going to make you gain weight and if you didn't if you had anything else you would not gain weight but orange juice is going to do it for you and then I weighed everyone on the first day and I was like they all weighed you know 130 pounds and I weighed them all on two days later and I was like they all weigh 132 pounds do you see what I mean look how fat they got from the orange juice and it's like well what else were they eating like that's not uh, uh, two pounds is not statistically significant. That doesn't mean anything, right? Like, what you could gain two pounds just from going to the bathroom. I mean, I hate to be gross, but right. I actually talk to parents a lot about this when there are concerns about the growth chart. I actually think that's maybe a better, a better, um, like, example to give you guys. Cause I'll have families like panic because, oh my God, she was in the 40th percentile for weight. And, you know, we, we had a checkup yesterday and now we're nervous if we should start the process because now, what did I just say? I can't remember. She was in the 30th and now she's in the 20th. And I'm like, you guys, we're talking about a 13 pound baby. A 10 percentile difference for a 13 pound baby is like two ounces. It's like less than she ate for her last meal. That's probably not accurate. It's probably more than two ounces, but you know what I mean? It's like, she literally could have taken a big poop and that's the difference in like where she is on the growth chart. So no statistical significance in the difference in the cortisol. The other thing they don't address is that cortisol is associated with your circadian rhythm, meaning it's going to change depending on if you are awake or asleep and where you are in your sleep cycle and how that circadian rhythm works for your body. So that's another like big problem. Like the babies were asleep and the mom was awake. So we actually don't expect their cortisol levels to be the same when one is in a state of deep rest and one is in a a state of being wide awake. Okay. There were also some... There were other things that were like a little bit out of my purview that other researchers indicated like if we were trying to like establish basically like is a baby is a baby in distress during sleep training and after sleep training that like this wasn't the right statistical measure to do. Like the, measuring the cortisol levels wouldn't have given an accurate read anyway, right? So like it wasn't even the right test to do. So the other last kind of point I will make about the cortisol study is that when it came out, before, you know, people really dug into it and researchers dug into it, people were initially fascinated and thought, we need to replicate this. Like, if this is true, this is going to change kind of how we think about this process with babies, and, you know, it's it's going against what we had previously thought was was true, which, listen, as, as well, first of all, someone in my profession, like, I always want to learn, and if I need to shift my thinking, like, I'm always open to that, and I think anybody in a research field, like, that's their calling, right? They're trying to, to prove or disprove theories, and they're trying to find – new ways of looking at things. So this study was like, basically recreated three times that I'm aware of after th- that initial middle mass study. And in all three cases, I think the important thing to know is that those researchers are trying to prove that she was right. They're not trying to be like, you're an idiot. I'm going to prove that the cortisol levels don't matter. Dah, 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 dah. They were like, we need to recreate this trial and recreate this study and 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 see if it's true. Because if it is, this is important. And every time they did it, not, they couldn't prove it. There was nothing; nothing happened. Like they it, it did, they did not get the same results as her. Um, there was one done with six month olds where they did both fading checks and a control method. There was equal effectiveness. There was no data in that they found that there was a difference in cortisol there was another one where they did one in three month olds and they did like pause and extinction there was one where they noted um, differences in like behavior and emotions and there weren't any when the children were six years old so they actually followed these kids for like six years and they did all forms of sleep training everything from nothing all the way through extinction um, and in that specific um, study the only takeaway that they had was that there was a significant reduction in maternal depression that was their only takeaway. They weren't, they weren't even trying to prove that. They just found, well, we, did, we took a bunch of babies. We did all forms of sleep training. There was no noticeable difference in their attachment, their behavior, their cortisol levels. We, tra- we tracked them for six years. By the time they were six years old and looked at their behavior, their emotional connection with their parents, nothing. But we did notice that the, the families that had gone through the process and had children who were sleeping better, the mothers were significantly less likely to be depressed. Okay, so not only did we, like, disprove this cortisol theory, but we've actually found positive benefits from it, which, of course, hopefully, if you're someone who's following me and, and working with me and all of that, you know that that's the case. Um, but I think this information is really important for parents to have because your takeaway from this might not be the same as mine, and that's fine. Like, take with it what you want. But what I don't want you to take away is that – the act of you like allowing your child to put themselves to sleep and to form self-soothing habits as a baby is and their ability to do that and therefore later on just fall asleep and not cry for you means that they are genuinely in distress. They're just not willing to express it because they think that you won't respond and that you will abandon them because that is not the case and is just wildly inaccurate. So I hope that this was informative like I said, take with it what you will. Um, but I, I more than anything else in the world want parents to be empowered with the accurate information to make the best decisions for themselves. So, okay. Love you guys. I promise this is the only week I shouldn't say I promise most likely this is the only week that I will have my episode a day late, but I hope it was worth the wait and I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Loving the snooze button. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode and please leave a review. I will read it and internalize it. So make sure it's very glowing. If you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses, head to BrittanySheehan.com or follow me on Instagram at Sheehan Sleep.